You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Yeah, so it was uh, a great week here, and it's so important that we do things like Vacation Bible School. We reach out to our children because they're growing up in a very difficult culture. And as I look around and I was looking at this book of Daniel that we're studying, it just really seems that they're growing up in a culture that worships a lot of idols that they're going to need to overcome. And even in the church, it seems like everything is so celebrity-driven. You know, a small number of people have huge voices. And it seems now that, you know, how many YouTube subscribers you have, how many books you sell, how big your church is, that's what really matters in 2021. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think God is impressed by any of those things. I think God doesn't need that. God already has a big voice. God already is an influencer. I mean, he runs the universe. I think God is looking for those who are simply loyal, dependable, and humble. There's a really good quote by an evangelist, D.L. Moody, very famous. And I love this quote because it kind of narrows it down to, to what it really means to be a believer. The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Not flashy, but just consecrated to God. And Daniel was that kind of a man, and that's why we're taking time to study his life this summer. He was just a teenager. Babylon took over Judah exiled a whole bunch of people over to Babylon. Daniel was one of those, and here he was. He he didn't know what God was going to use him for. He wasn't sure what his life work would be, but he knew that he loved God. He wanted to walk with God. And so today, I hope that you'll see that as we use Daniel's life as an example, that God isn't looking for the biggest, the loudest, and the best. He's looking for those that will walk with him. He's looking for those that will simply listen to him. And as you choose your pathway, as you choose who you really want to be, I want to encourage you that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be all cleaned up. You don't have to be sinless. No, all you need to do is be like Daniel. Just be a faithful Christian. And so if you have your Bibles and a phone or a tablet, Please turn, if you would, to Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to find out more about what makes this man tick and the incredible courage that he had. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. If you want to grab that Bible on the seat back in front of you, this is on page 737. This is a long chapter, but the story is breathtaking. The way God uses this young man in front of the most powerful man on earth, and he literally brings him to his knees because of the awesome power of God. It's really an inspiring story. And so we won't touch on every verse this morning, but as we continue in our series called Faithful, let's look at verses 1 through 5, Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. 
And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. And your houses shall be laid in ruins. So right about then, I think the Chaldeans were thinking, I should be in a different line of work. But but the narrative now has a foundation. The king's dream here serves as the central component of God's plan. And the text tells us here that the king had plural dreams. But given the context, that likely refers to a reoccurring dream that the king kept having and troubled him enough to keep him awake. But the dream also gives Daniel the platform to step forward and do what God is requiring of him. We also learn a lot about Nebuchadnezzar in just these very few verses. As the king of Babylon, this vast empire, he was the most powerful man on the planet. He lived in a beautiful city. Babylon was a gorgeous city, And he had everything that you'd think you'd want. He had comfort, he had pleasure, he had wealth, he had power. He had a big giant voice. He was an influencer. But he lacked one thing, peace. He was angry and he was restless. And the dream troubled him. And the narrator, Daniel, paints the picture here of a man that awoke from the dream and called all of his wise men to come to him immediately. And so we see here that magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans were a societal class of sorcerers. And they desperately tried to convince Nebuchadnezzar that it's crazy for you to think that we know your dream. Now, we can interpret it just fine. We can't tell you the dream. We don't know what you were dreaming about. But that wasn't good enough for Nebuchadnezzar. He was ready to tear them apart. And this guy was powerful. He was dangerous. But the dream and its meaning and what it consisted of just sat there and he couldn't open the package because he wanted so desperately to know its meaning and he wasn't going to settle for somebody just listening and then interpreting because he couldn't trust that, which created access for a faithful believer to come along and do what enchanters couldn't do. Look at verses 12 through 17. The king's fury caused Daniel to bravely step forward. And, and remember, he's basically a prisoner under, the, under Nebuchadnezzar's guards. Verse 12, because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all of the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. 
Now, we've seen the character of the king. Now we're seeing the character of Daniel begin to emerge. He is a faithful follower of God. And last time in chapter 1, we saw him take the king's offerings of food and say, no, I can't eat that. That's, that's going to violate my dietary laws. And so he stood up to the king. But he was also someone who earned trust from those around him. And so when I look at Daniel, I don't think of him as being some miracle worker. I just think of him as being a faithful Christian. And if you want to be like Daniel, you just need to be brave. Not flashy. Not well known by everyone. Just faithful and brave. And that's who he was. The text tells us in 14 that Daniel replied with prudence and discretion when he learned of this plot to kill all of the wise men, which, by the way, included Daniel and his friends. But but Daniel didn't panic. And all of his actions just spoke of grace, spoke of respect. And that's why he was able to just earn the respect of those over him. And I think that's because Daniel understood that it was God who was driving his story. God was the one who was taking these events and putting them in perspective for him where he could just lean in and do what he was called to do. So he didn't need to be pushy. He didn't mean to be demeaning. He didn't have to go out with a blaze of glory and be some kind of a martyr. We'll see that as his life progresses, that he was highly thought of, he was respected, and what he did took incredible courage. Now, just think, if in our day, here in 2021, if we had an army of Daniels with that kind of an attitude, that kind of courage, that kind of willingness to just follow God, what might happen in our world? According to the Joshua Project, which is a a missions organization, there are still, in our world today, three billion people who would be considered unreached. That's 42% of the world's population. Three billion people. And as we've stated before, there are about 89,000 unchurched, or those that don't go to church, people within five miles of Ridgewood Church. And so there's plenty of work to do. And that's why we do Vacation Bible School, because we want to we reach these kids while they're still open. You know, studies show that kids are the ones that receive the gospel at a much higher rate than adults, because we overthink everything. Kids just trust you, and they receive what's given to them. But there's so much work to do, and God is looking for believers like you and me to faithfully just go out and do what he's called us to do, not to make a name for ourselves, but to further the kingdom. And I think for you and me, the easiest way to sum this up, and sometimes we've taken the word evangelism, and I think we've scared people with it. It just means finding that one person that's right in your sphere of influence that you can shine a light to, that you can befriend, that you can pray for, that you can just grab coffee with. And I think if you looked around and just prayed about it, you find a lot of those people that are circling around in your sphere of influence. And so this is what Daniel was. And I just think, wow, if we were just a whole army of Daniels, what could happen? Because he, he, he faithfully prayed. And he, he faithfully followed God. And, you know, I'm thankful for, for the big evangelists. I'm thankful for Billy Graham, of course. I mean, he, 
He spiritually led our, our nation for a long time. I'm thankful for Greg Laurie, who's still doing these, these incredible evangelistic events, but studies show that one-on-one relationships bear a much higher fruit than these mass gatherings do because they replicate much more quickly. And so you may think that your little effort is really not that significant, but it's really hugely significant because that will multiply. And as a church, that's what we want to do too. We want to multiply. We want to be that kind of a church. That's why we have lanterns. And and soon you'll see a whole bunch of new lanterns up here because you are what you celebrate. And we want to be a church that celebrates people that come to know Christ. So the king's dream now needs to be interpreted. It would be a faithful teenager, not some flashy enchanter that would do it. But first he would ask for prayer. So I want you to look with me at verses 17 and 18. And I think this is really, really telling. So verses 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And so Daniel just didn't rush into this. He stopped and he went and he found his friends and said, I need prayer. We need to pray. And so that's a very simple thing to remember. A faithful Christian prays. Prayer is so important. It shouldn't be an afterthought. Prayer is the source of of power and, and wisdom. And later in the narrative, we'll learn that Daniel was a man of faithful prayer. He just didn't walk over, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm going to take God off the shelf here. No, Daniel was so committed to prayer. In fact, they use that against him as the story progresses. But it's interesting to note that they asked for mercy from God concerning this mystery, the dream. And these men knew that they were God's appointed servants, but they weren't quite sure how that was all going to work. So they went and they prayed together. You know, some of the most amazing believers that I've been around are people who just pray and pray and pray. And one of the things that drew Wendy and I to Ridgewood Church is we knew that Ridgewood is a praying church. We knew that you had been praying through the process for a long time. And so when we came here, we could trust the fact that we were all on the same page because we'd all been praying. But it's so easy in churches, you know, we had this group of prayer warriors And it's so easy to say, well, they're doing the hard prayer work. That we all need to be involved with prayer. Not not just for our own spiritual well-being, but for the church's spiritual well-being. So prayer is really, really important. And Daniel sought prayer because he knew his mission was daunting. The king's dream would would be there and he'd have to tell him what the dream was. But he was faithful. He would discover the meaning of it. And and I want you to just understand how difficult this must have been for him. And I was kind of rummaging through, trying to think of a good example of of someone that would be terrifying to stand in front of. And I just couldn't get past Osama bin Laden when he was still alive. And and I I remember the house they found him uh, in in Pakistan. And just think, if you're a teenager and you're called in in front of Osama bin Laden with some news he doesn't want to hear, all by yourself. That would be terrifying. 
But, but Daniel was willing to do that. And, but, I, but here's the thing. After he prays, what does he do? He worships. How about that? He takes the time to worship. So a faithful Christian gives proper credit to a sovereign and powerful God. Before he would stand before the king, he stopped, hey, I need prayer, and he worshiped. And I want you to see this beautiful and awe-inspiring section here that in 20 and 23, Daniel revels in God's sovereignty because the vision had already been revealed to him, and this is his response. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. He worshiped this God because God had answered their prayer. And I want you to be encouraged by that section because the God you serve is this same God. The God who takes kings out and puts kings in. The one who can reveal deep wisdom to you. The one who is all-powerful. That's your God. And, and you don't, you're not in this on your own. But sometimes we get lulled into thinking that we are. We get lulled into thinking that we can have victory on our own. And so we forget to pray. We forget to worship. We're just doers. You know, get up in the morning. Let's go get it. Now let's stop. And let's pray first. We get lulled into thinking that we can go a few days without prayer. I'll be okay. I'll be all right. I'm pretty solid. I'm pretty, my gas tank's full. Or we think, you know, well, it's been a few days since I've read the Bible, but I know the Bible. I mean, I, I, was, I grew up with the Bible. I mean, I, I've gone to Bible studies. I don't need to read the Bible anymore. Or, or we think that this temptation I'm fighting or this sin that I can't overcome, if I just have enough willpower, oh, if I just have enough willpower, I can defeat this thing. I don't think so. I think what this text clearly shows to us is here's a man who understood that there's only one way he was going to be able to do this, and that's by the power of God. So he went and he found his friends, and he said, you need to pray. And notice how he uses the term we. You answered our prayer. And, and then he takes time to thank God before he rushes in. And so he was tuned in to where his power source was. Daniel faithfully prayed. He worshiped. And you know what? There's nothing flashy about him. He's just a servant who walked with God. And the Lord had chosen him. And now let's go to the dream. God made known the content of the dream to the world so that he would be glorified. And Daniel recited and interpreted the dream by God's power. And I think this is amazing because indeed, Daniel would do what the sorcerers couldn't do. So we'll just 
zip through this really quickly. If you look at 31, Daniel did what the sorcerers couldn't. He divinely empowered, and he told the king what his dream was through the power of God. He said the king had seen a large statue. Its size and appearance were frightening. In 32, the head was the image that it was fashioned by fine gold. Its chest and its arms were of silver. Its middle and thighs of bronze. The legs were of iron. Its feet were made up of partly of iron, partly of clay. In verses 34 and 35, the statue was not permanent and was struck on the feet by a stone cut not by human hands, which reduced the whole statue like chaff that was blown away. Chaff is simply the inedible portion of a grain stalk that the wind comes and just blows away. The stone that destroyed the statue grew into a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, the dream itself isn't all that complicated, but the interpretation didn't sit well with Nebuchadnezzar because we see in 36 through 45 that the image revealed three Gentile kingdoms that would come and they would rule. And one day Babylon wouldn't be the power that it was then. So let me just give you a, a quick overview of what this all means. This is the actual statue. No, this is a, a a drawing of what it might look like. I don't know. I love that when I go look for images of, and then you get all kinds of crazy stuff. But this is good because it helps. Now, so gold is Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar liked that. And we're going to see soon that he's going to go build a big statue to himself. But if you move down here, the kingdom of the Medes and Persians is silver. And at this point in time, this huge kingdom wasn't as powerful as Babylon, so that's why it was in silver and not gold. And then the Greek empire is here, and the Greek empire represented the middle, the thighs, and bronze, because this would be a really big kingdom that would cover the whole earth. And then iron really is a good symbol of Rome, because Rome was strong. Roman, the, the Romans just subsumed all these other kingdoms and then as you get down here to the feet, we see that this is partly iron, partly clay. And maybe the foundation really isn't that fantastic. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is seeing. He's seeing something like this. And the exciting thing about this is that in verses 44 and 45, the image is Christ. Look at 44, this is the image of the rock. This is the thing that's going to destroy all these Gentile kingdoms in 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And, a, and great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. So what's Nebuchadnezzar being told? He's being told, you have the top kingdom right now, but it's not going to last forever. And though we live in a world that's full of dominating police systems that are just sometimes abhorrent, we have good rulers, we have bad rulers, darkness seems to be growing, we can rest assured that someday that rock that's going to crush these kingdoms is going to stand forever. It grew into a mountain. 
And this is the God that we serve. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have overcome the world. And here's Daniel telling this to the king. And finally, God did with this faithful young man what is almost unthinkable. He caused the most powerful man in the world to fall literally to his knees in awe of God. Look at verses 46 and 47. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. The king was so impressed that he promoted Daniel, brought his friends into the palace. Will it last? We'll find out. But what we do see here, this narrative shows that God used a faithful young man to reveal God's eternal power. And isn't this really what we're here for? To reveal the power of God? This is what faithful Christians do. We simply walk with God and get out of the way and let God have all of the credit. Because God is the one who deserves the glory. And so, maybe there's an area in your life that you want to be more faithful in. Maybe there's something that has been bothering you. Maybe there's, there's something that you say to yourself, you know, yeah, that is really an area that God really needs to clean up and work on. Then this is a time to be thinking about that. And as a church, this is also a time to be thinking about, are we going to be faithful to what God has called us to do? Because he has placed us here in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And so we know that our mission statement is making Jesus known through community impact. And that's because we want to be faithful to God to reach our community. But this isn't like it's going to happen overnight. And it starts with each of us. And that's how I go back to this, discovering your one person. Because each of us is a missionary. And each of us is out there each day conversing with people at work or at home or in school or in your clubs, wherever you are, and there's people there that don't know Christ. God gave us a child who was in traveling baseball, which has been a tremendous gift because we have no time on our own anymore at all. But here's the advantage. Is that the same people come to every game because their kids play together, and so you get to know these people. And guess what they know? They know that I'm a pastor. They know that Wendy works at the church. And we have, and, and we hear their little, you know, jokes and stuff like that. But there's, there's relationships developing there because we're missionaries to the baseball families. And, and that's, that's pretty exciting. So it starts with that one. It starts with building a Ridgewood playground. You can see a, a picture of what this is going to look like. You'll see ground move soon. And this isn't just for the kids in our church. No, it's for the community. It's for, for kids to come and experience Ridgewood in a way with their families that will be appealing to them so Jesus can be presented. And then starting a Ridgewood preschool. And this is something that is, is still coming, and Denise is still working hard on it. And the city just gave us a green light to proceed. Not that we have to, but... We have permission to do so. And somebody just asked me, 
um, well, do you really think that a preschool is going to help reach 89,000 people? I said, yes, 100%. I've seen it happen. Here's what happens with a preschool. Kids start coming. You have good leadership. Parents have a problem. Where did they come? To the church, to the leadership of the, of the preschool. It becomes a, it, like a community in itself. And the best thing about it is it stands for decades. Long after we're gone, this preschool hopefully will be here sharing the gospel. And so, do I think it'll be effective? Yeah, I, I'm not in control of salvations, but what I can see is that we need to put tools on the ground that people can use to bring Christ to our community, which is one of the reasons that we updated our facility. So I think that's pretty exciting. When, when Neil is not being Indiana Neil, Pastor Neil is creating a discipleship pathway. And so we'll, he's got a team together. We'll know exactly what needs to happen in order to bring people in and, and, and create a way for them to plug in. And then we need to keep investing in global missions because that number I gave you is real. Three billion people would still be considered unreached. 42% of the world's population. And the people that are going to reach them are likely not going to be the flashy types. They're going to be the on-the-ground missionaries that are continuing to be faithful to what God called them to do and faithful churches that are supporting them. So I think that God is looking for Daniels. He's looking for people who are simply willing to listen to his voice, are simply willing to be faithful Christians. Why don't you just take a minute where you are, just a moment of silence, and maybe God has been speaking to you. What is an area that has encouraged you today? What is an area that God has convicted you of that you need to just bring before him? And then I will close in prayer. God, I pray that you would make me a faithful Christian. I pray, God, that you would help me to know that my heart has been given to you and not to other things of the world that distract me and that cause me to be disoriented and angry so that I can just walk faithfully along while I'm still here knowing that just being with you is what you desire. And God, I pray that as a church, that we can fulfill what you've called us to do. We, we have our own local calling. We can't change the world, but we can do what you've called us to do. So we pray that you provide the resources for us to do that, the willingness, the faith, and just the perseverance to keep going when times are hard. And thank you for the opportunity to just be faithful Christians. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending your son into this world to die for our sin. And the power that resurrected him from the dead is the same power that is transforming us and those who have come to you in faith. We're thankful for that, God, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. 
For more faith-based resources or information about Richwood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.